1: Good afternoon. Welcome to Conversations and Meditations. I'm your host Virgil Vericks, and today is June fifteenth, two thousand nineteen. Welcome to the show. Okay, okay. So uh, before we start the show today, just want to get uh, something out there and uh, out to you guys. The website is still being worked on, and there's a lot of being a lot of things you know being added to it, and a lot of new stuff coming, uh, a lot of new artwork, a lot of new features. So please, please, just wait. And then we'll get everything up on there. And, uh, the show notes again, that's been a labor's effort, but that will be taken care of and also updated as well. Because granted, we talk a lot about a lot of different things in the show and, you know, giving you the, you know, the context and the setting for a lot of this stuff and, you know, the background, you know, information and, you know, where you could find some of these texts and books and stuff like that. It's probably a good idea to have all that stuff up there for you guys. So please, uh, just wait and you'll get it. All right, so let's in get introduction to some of our uh, guests here today. It's uh, Danny and Madigan. How are you guys doing? Well, wow. doing well. Fantastic to back. Fantastic. Yeah. Good to yes. have Stoked. you. <laughs> good to to have you guys back. For real, for real. Okay, so you know, in you know discussing what we wanted to talk to about today, you know, we we spoke briefly about this a few days ago, and we kind of thought that you know having a discussion on class, but not only class, uh, class and its connection to our tastes and tastes and preferences in general and how that's important. I think that's something that, you know, I haven't really got into on the show yet. I haven't really talked about class a lot. I haven't really talked about, you know, tastes and preferences. So I think this would be a perfect time to kind of bring those things together and kind of, you know, uh, unpack it all. So let's go through both you guys and why do you think talking about class and also, Taste and preferences why do you think that's all connected why do you think that's so important to talk about let's start with danny
0: um i think for me and we spoke a little bit about this at the tim hortons powwow but the intro the, the idea of ethnocentrism and that like one culture anytime you're judging another culture you're judging it through your culture's lens mm-hmm. and so it's not necessarily an objective viewpoint yeah um The way that connects to taste and the idea that I can judge someone else's taste as being below mine, like I brought up before, like Nickelback, the idea that Nickelback is somehow objectively considered a bad band. Mm -hmm. It was really eye-opening to me to think about the idea that someone else can experience Nickelback in the same way that I experienced The Beatles or something like that. And that that I'm just raised through my cultural lens to think somehow that – that is worse. No, of course I get it. I get it. And that subjectivity, objectivity thing—it forces you to think about that. And what's what? What's taste? What's fact? What's, what's fact? And what's values? And all yeah. this kind of stuff.
1: Uh, for
2: me, this is an important topic because everyone has their own sense of taste, and everyone's a member of a different social class. Whichever way you want to break down class, mm-hmm. everyone can fit in to one of those categories. I agree. And so it's you know it's a universal topic. It applies to everybody. And okay. coming to understand more about um class and taste and how they intersect mm-hmm. can uh, just help you understand more about people, which is something yeah. I love doing
1: no I think that's I think it's really important and I think you guys are right on the money there uh I do think that at least in my in my uh you know way I kind of see things um class and you know it's connection to tastes it's connection to culture and as well as how that all intersects within psychology, you're talking about group psychology, you talk about social psychology and you know, how all that has an influence on one another, and they all feed to, into, into one another and you know this you know kind of supersedes this, and this kind of takes from that. I think, like you said it's an important you know method and way of understanding you know humanity and our culture you know our wider you know human culture in general, you know the vast you know different ones out there. But I think it's also a very important way of understanding ourselves, you know as individuals within a culture or a subculture. um so let I guess we can get started and get into what do you guys think um is class like what is what is what is your class, i guess theory what is what how do you analyze class? Where do you see class coming from um is is class a social thing? In, in, in so far as like you know, it's being put on by social pressures of a group, you know, group on group, or is you know, in like a caste system type of thing. Is that how you see caste, you know, class being uh, put into a, a uh, into a paradigm? Where do you see class, you know, and more so the Marxist terms in, through an economic lens, or what? Do you, what do, where do you guys come from, uh, Matt? For me, I definitely think that I default more to
2: the upper, lower, middle class. Mm-hmm. Um, Way of looking at it. Got you. That's just what I've always known. That's mm. the easiest um, thing for me to default back to whenever we talk about it. But I do understand that there's a bunch of different ways
1: of breaking it down and looking at it. Of course. And when you're
0: saying that, is that from an economic standpoint, the upper? Yeah. Yeah. Yep.
1: Okay. Got you. Got you. Now, do you think that within that, you know, in that schema, do you think that um, classes are kind of stuck, meaning? Can a person from the lower class or middle class go up and become higher, you know, up to an upper class? Can a person from the upper class go down? Is there mobility between the classes, or is there no mobility? What do you find there?
2: I think that the mobility would vary between across space and time, depending on what country you're in, depending on how the country is doing at the time economically, Mm -hmm. um, depending
1: on a bunch of other different factors. Got you. Okay. Cool. Now, Danny, where do you where do you kind of come through you know come for or come from in terms of you know your ideas and your understanding of class?
0: Um I think there's like Matt, you guessed that I'd bring it up, the Pierre Bordeaux or Bordeaux, I'm still not sure. <laughs> um but he talks about different form I think you can base it on different forms of capital. He has there's social mm-hmm. capital, cultural capital, and economic capital. And gotcha. I think you can look through classes through all those ways. Like I think there's supposed cultural classes that are considered Higher, just built through hierarchies, like, uh, and same thing for societal and then economic. But I think they all overlap too, and Mm. that's and that's what he kind of gets at is the idea that the cultural hierarchies are completely related to economic perspective and wealth and the culture you grew up in. That whole
1: got you, got you. Now, do you think with within your within your understanding of classes, do you think that there is mobility in between the classes? Can can a person from one, you know, aspect of a, you know, a societal class move or switch between other classes? Is that, is that paradigm work within that?
0: Yeah. I mean I, I think it – like in the abstract, not connected to yes. any specific context of like American yes. class. Yes, in general, then these classes can be moved through. They're just like uh, – it's like taking a spectrum and just breaking it into – Gotcha. Spots, but uh, I think think the the data that we put through that spectrum can be moved around. They're just like categories. Got
2: you. There have been historical examples of classes that were supposed to be set in stone, though, like the caste system yes. from India. Yes, where exactly. there was
1: no yes. uh, movement between the different classes; it was taboo. Yes. Now let's take let's take something like the caste system. Now, in in my in my opinion, I, I think that.
0: Uh, type of system. Not I'm, a s- I'm unfamiliar with it. Can someone?
1: Yeah. So, uh, the basic gist of it, and you know, um, at least from my understanding, and I could be off on this. So, granted, please someone correct I'm me here. I'm on the here. Google. <laughs> <laughs> um, you and your family, and you know your your relatives, are put into a specific position in society based on your lineage and based on things that have nothing to do with you in the time now. It probably had something to do with you and your, fam- your family, you know, 100 years ago or more so. Mm-hmm. And that generally dictates how you're treated within the society and also within the government. Okay. So I think that's probably the most, you know, like basic – you know, basal understanding uh, of it. They separated their society into like
2: four or five different mm. levels. So you had like the priest ruling class. Gotcha. Then second was the warrior class. Gotcha. Third would be like the farmers and merchants, mm-hmm. the traders. Mm-hmm. Um, fourth would be the laborers. Gotcha. And then there was, and this is why I say four or five. It's like they some include it, some don't. Some the say it was part of the caste system. Some say they were outside of it. But the untouchables, which yes. would be like the beggars, yes. the
1: people who are or ill and stuff right, like that, right. certain diseases. So yeah, I mean, granted, I think you know we talk about you know different ideas of classes, and you know those are all varying, uh, different understandings. And you know I think within that you know type of I think that's more of a cultural thing influencing a class system. More so than, you know, because like it's it's kind of unique. And other places have had, you know, a similar type of society. So take instance, you know, feudal Japan. You know, before they had a unified emperor, you know, there was a the shogun, then there was the other samurai and the other you know, then they have, you know, people down from them and they would have their other clans all come around. So that was a little bit of a different type of system. But you know, we're talking about traditional today's, you know, modern you know, society. I would think, at least for, in my end, I kind of agree in a lot I mean I used to be kind of a Marxist in the past, so I kind of do agree that there is you know the exploiters and the exploited in our, in our world. and I think you know the exploiters in a sense are the class who achieve material gains through coercive means, primarily through coercive means. Um, so while remaining while the remaining individuals in the society, um, you know the exploited uh, utilize the, you know the market to acquire wealth, from voluntary consensual interactions, you know, and that wealth created by you know by those who utilize the free market and whatever of that sort is also the source of wealth that the class of exploiters, you know, take from. And you know whether it's through, uh, well, you know, st- you know, stealing the wealth generation straight up, or by you know price gouging in a sense, working with the government to you know price other people out so you can get a better product. Or in a lot of ways, wealth transfers. You talk about corporate welfare, you know, how, or, you know, subsidies in a, in a sense, right? Where, uh, they would tax, you know, a certain populace and take that money and give it to a giant big corporation so they can charge us upwards of, you know, who knows what for the same thing. So I think that there is, um, there is that, you know, that type of thing. But I, I would also go as far to say that, In my idea of class systems, you know, when it comes to – there's the people – there's another way to look at it in my idea. There's the people who are administering the state. So I'm talking about politicians, you know, members of the law enforcement. I'm talking about um, regulators. I'm talking anybody affiliated with the state and, you know, there's – that and there's people who are – who do not you know interact with the state and so far. And I'm not necessarily saying – and there's – so when I say that, members of the state, not all members of people who work in the state are necessarily quote-unquote exploitating. That's not what I'm like trying to Trevor Burrus Like a post say. office worker. No, exactly. no. That's right. not – or a police officer. That's not what I'm – not necessarily but … Police I, officer
2: may be a bad example.
1: Trevor Burrus Well, it might be a bad example but I, I'll kind of break that down in a second what I mean by that. But you know the average worker is not necessarily doing that. But so far, the system itself and what the system tries to do is centralize power—at least in my opinion—centralize power and centralize authority, so that you know its overall will cannot be questioned by the populace. So take take an example of this would be the uh, the reaction by the American public to the Vietnam War and how basically the will of the american public stopped a war from going on i mean that just tells you how little power they had at that time and they realized that and, and i think big I things changed and part
2: after. of that was they didn't have control over the media that was being shown yeah that's a big part of the it the american people got almost as shell
1: shocked as the soldiers from seeing it well know, i so agree like, i agree
2: they had I, never been exposed to that before
1: i agree and i think that's you know and the thing is like that's in, in terms of my you know also my my other understanding of class uh, would would put the state sometimes likes to let people you know the groups in the country believe that they should you know that you're actually in odds with one another and you're in odds with this person and this group is at odds with you and this group's at odds with that group but in reality it's, necess- it's really the state who's at odds with a lot of people you know take it, take for instance police brutality. Take for instance, um, uh, forfeit, uh, uh, um, forfeit, um,
2: uh, forfeiture. No, the word. I can't
1: think of the word right now. Um, can't even think of it. I'll think about it later. <laughs> but um, there's many different things. So using the acid, you know,
0: acid forfeiture. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> <That> <laughs> completely completely backwards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, completely backwards. <laughs> Sorry about that brain fart right there. It's funny though how you just dive into like the next sentence and you have it. Like yeah. you just pull it out <laughs> through speaking so, – like you looked for it. You focused on it and couldn't do it. Yeah, and like, then I just started going and yeah. it became – I had
2: the right like jumbled up part. Yes,
1: uh, you I, did. You all
0: did
2: I a really good job. You all <laughs> did a good job <laughs> yeah. to get it there.
1: Pat yourselves on the back, guys. Thank you. So um, I would say that – you know, like I said, the um, – the roots of, the, of, I guess, my class analysis, or where I kind of come from. You're talking about people like Frederick Bastiat, Ludwig von Mises, Adam Smith. That's kind of where the exploitation theory kind of comes into, or my idea of exploitation theory, my class analysis comes from. But it's, you know, it's the idea that the state is, you know, possessing the monopoly of the use of force, and it's, you know, is able to allow certain individuals to obtain wealth through coercive means, and because of these activities. Are not wealth producing, they inevitably lead to the exploitation of others. So now that we kind of got our, you know, everybody kind of understands where we're all coming from. Um, in 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 your understanding of, because like a big thing in um in Marxist theory, right, is the idea that different classes utilize a different logic or way of thinking. Now, where I come from. At least in my perspective, I don't believe that's the case. I think that you know we're all fallible rational beings, <laughs> and we all have the ability to think in different ways and adjust our thinking and adjust the way we can. so I don't think there's any deterministic aspect there. You could probably argue that um
2: uh, like if you're exposed to conservative viewpoints as a as a child at a young age, yeah. you'd grow up to be conservative yourself, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, not like set in stone, no.
1: Yeah, I would, I would, yeah. So I think you know when you talk about like, you know, certain certain things that are passed down. Like you talk about ideologies and you know religion and stuff like that. I think a lot of that is, you know, not necessarily class, but the culturals, you know, the cultural intersection between class and uh, and culture. Like I said, you know, so basically, I think that's where that would come from. Uh, Danny, what do you think?
0: I mean, I think that to me, that's like kind of what we're talking about. Walk me back through the last part you were saying again.
1: Okay, so the the part concerning that um, a lot of Marxists view. That. Oh, that logic is determined by your class that you. Yeah, up. and that like your know, different classes utilize a different logic, or you know, essentially a different way of thinking.
0: I mean, that, I think that connects back to the thing about taste too, though. Is that like where do those? How are those two things separated? I'm curious. Uh-huh. Like, how does your logic separate from your taste? Are hmm. those two different separate faculties of thinking, or do they influence one another? Because I don't think there is distinct.
2: I don't think taste has much to do with
0: logic. OK, so
2: you, so yeah. So. I mean it can but – Because we, we're all really. suggesting,
0: right, that class does shape your taste, right? I think we're – to some degree, are we in agreement on that or no? That's – So – I,
1: guess, see, this I is, mean you're
2: – I'd say yes because okay. you're part of a class. I'm mm-hmm. not saying
0: necessarily determines but shapes at least. Yeah, OK. So, so what, I would whatever agree.
2: class you're a part of has different nuances to their taste, OK, right? yeah. So whichever class you're a part of, you're going to be exposed to those different nuances. Yeah. So it okay. won't it won't determine your taste, but it will, but expose it will shape you. It, it will, it will, it will expose help shape you
0: to your it, taste. That's your culture. Yeah, yeah. True. You can't.
2: See, you thing is can't like, not be shaped by the class you grew up in.
1: Exactly. But the thing is, like, I I try to make a distinction between class and culture primarily because you take a place like America, right? I'm a Syrian, you know, Chaldean, right? Um, I have a ton of other friends that are, you know, from, families are from Poland, Ireland, and all this other stuff. Um, and some people have been here longer than others. Some people, my family came here in 1929. Some families have been here, you know, for years longer than that. Um, the cultural stuff, I, I don't think the cultural stuff is synonymous with the class stuff.
0: So I think it comes down to our definition of culture because that okay. sounds to me like you're using culture as a specific like a national identity culture sort of type ethnic, thing, right? National, ethnic, yes. yeah, yeah. So that gets yes. in those two things maybe aren't the same. Um, I'm thinking of it also as just in terms of culture as opposed to – like for instance, there's hockey culture. Like I yes. grew up in a hockey family. We are part yes. of hockey culture. Like yes. that sort of broader application of just like – The mm-hmm. word culture. Yeah. And like I, I, it becomes really foggy to define what that is. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. It becomes really like vague when you define what that is and what connects those. Why that word is used in all of these different broad applications.
1: I see what you're saying. It's a buzzword. Like I was saying before, Ooh, I okay. think personally for me, it's yes.
0: or like I was saying it's Tim Horton's not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that I think it can be used less as an object that you see through a lens, like less as now, but more as a lens that you see the world through. So everything kind of can be considered cultural.
1: OK. I see what you're saying. I, see, I definitely see what you're saying. Culture
0: as opposed to nature where nature – like in the anthropological sense where nature is what we've – as humans have been it's presented innate. with in the world and then – yeah, innate and then cultural is – yeah, sort of like the, the nature human, nurture the cultural, and then also human created. Yes. Cultural
2: would be like see, what you put on top of nature to exactly, create it, what
1: you, to yeah, create actually. your own see, sense of culture. From my from my, my, my interpretation of culture and nature, I think that nature – like we are a product of nature. Right, mm-hmm. And then I would also say since we're a product of nature, anything that we do create, make is also a product of nature. Just the same way an anthill is a product of nature right. or a beehive is I a product of nature. I think you can say nature. all
0: culture can fit within nature. Yes. But not all nature fits within culture. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean it I see what
1: you're saying. But then oh, no, to I get,
0: get back to I think where that connects to Tayson is just the question of like where you brought the Kant quote before. Yeah. Is any is there some universal natural aspect to it? Some something innate to taste, mm-hmm. or is it all determined by societal influence and cultural influence? And
1: it's a good question because I do think that. Okay, so for instance, I come from a uh, decently religious, uh, you know, Catholic, Middle Eastern family, right? And metal is not really listened to. <laughs> in 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 that culture, very much so. But I'm a huge metalhead. I uh, just saw Mastodon recently; fantastic show. I was there. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good show. But let me say, uh, that's not something that my culture even remotely thinks is. And the thing is, like, could you take it the opposite way and see, like, oh, I was rebelling against my culture, mm-hmm. therefore I found something to find. You know, yeah.
0: So that's that's, that's also, one way. and then also the broader at. thing of just Mastodon's. Like what a a band who's primarily listened to by Americans are they an American band? Yes, yes, they are. So that you could just also say by being an American, like that's Mm -hmm. a a broader cultural. It's that prog metal man. It's
1: too good. (laughs) (laughs) Let's
0: get it going. Yeah,
1: I mean, like in all honesty, like so you know we talk about tastes, but I think when you talk about art, you know, because art, you know, when you have taste, I mean, obviously your taste for art, music, all that stuff is there. I do kind of think art is like a selective recreation of reality according to the artist's I guess metaphysical like value judgments in a way.
0: Oh. You know uh, what I mean? I no. followed you oh. with that
2: whole thing. It's no. like
1: so <laughs> we we have a profound need, you know, for art and I think it lies within our cognitive, you know, faculty. So and it's conceptual, you know, meaning that we acquire knowledge by means of abstraction, you know, and you know the need we need the power to bring you know the you know the widest metaphysical abstractions into the immediate perceptual awareness. So I guess like art kind of like makes that come together
0: by creating, recreating
1: that.
2: Reflecting it maybe. Yeah.
0: In a sense reflecting It's like it's like a concrete way to deal with abstract ideas. Yes. Sort of or to work through them. I fully yes. agree with that. And that like um that it's like a form of play, like a, the way mm-hmm. kid children learn through play or whatever. And yeah, it's just a way to work out abstract yeah. ideas with actual like representational things sort of. Yeah. I know I don't know I, if that's true for all art, because then okay. it's gonna change art art. The term itself will change based on culture or whatever. Yeah,
1: that does have an effect to for sure. And then I think sure. just in
0: art history, we just have a tendency through the colonial order of the world to map Western ideas of art onto all cultures and to yes. judge it. That's the hierarchical system that we should view them all through. And that I think is once again where you come back to the taste being yes. determined by culture. Thing.
1: Yeah. And I think you know when you talk about – so we talk about hierarchy and class and taste. Uh, when, it, when it comes to hierarchy, the way I look at hierarchy – at least uh one of the ways to look at hierarchy, if it's a legitimate hierarchy, meaning that people are trying to do something you know that's that has value, right so like x amount of people are trying to attain something that's valuable uh, is it the caste system? no legitimate no no, so, no so yes, yeah, so let's say let's say let's say we all in this room try to make a painting, right? We think some. you know the thing is like. Anytime you get a group of people attaining, trying to attain something, you know, higher than themselves in one way or another, a high, a natural hierarchy will develop. I don't necessarily think the hierarchy is being instituted by a cultural thing there. So, like for instance, painting, right? Now some people are trained in painting and you know and actually drawing. Some people are pretty decent at it. Some people might suck. If you get a group of people that do that, there will be a natural hierarchy there. Now what do I mean by hierarchy? So I mean and again, I know art is subjective here in this case. I'm very no curious words. I'm
0: I'm skeptical of your use of the word natural <laughs> when you say a natural hierarchy.
1: Okay, so when I say natural so for instance, another type of natural hierarchy, an example of a natural hierarchy Will be um, – But
2: I guess – You can go back to the art example. If you have a group of 10 people yeah. who are painting a mural, mm-hmm. OK? You're going to have the two good artists do all the detailed parts of the mural. OK. You're going to have the two kids with you fill in the big spots yeah. that are all the same. You know, That would be my the skepticism, development of a natural My hierarchy. skepticism though Please
0: of it being it. used as natural is that – We've already determined that there's a good and bad. We're saying there's two good artists, and we're seeing that through a specific cultural lens of like what is good and what. It, like it, I'm okay, assuming so, I'm assuming we're thinking of good as in people who can recreate an object, recreate, and make it look yes, the same way. make it look the same way. That's but, exactly that's, would, but that's just not someone a, who
2: has a history of creating art that you have deemed good yourself. You would have even deemed just good, be, but I guess what I'm that's saying, is you've so, deemed
0: it good.
1: It's not necessarily natural. An objective way, way to, an objective way to measure this would say, hey, here is a. You know, a valley recreate this valley. Right, and probably the most objective way to measure somebody's talent. I but, guess, I, I guess, but it's them. hard to. No, I, don't I mean decide. that
2: completely because recreate it. How recreate and also, it in what
1: style? Recreate no, it like just, photo, photo so just, realistically. No, no, no. And not necessarily, necessarily saying that. Right. Just recreate it. The thing is, like, no matter what like style a you five year old could do. like No, but no matter. But that's what I'm and, saying. No matter what style you have in terms of recreating it. You're representing it the way you see it. But whether it's good or not is still subjective. subjective. That's where I get into the issue of being natural
0: though. Because natural to me – When
2: I hear the word – well, go ahead.
0: Natural to me suggests that it is in some way objective or outside of human – like human taste. It goes back to taste I guess again. yeah. When I I think of the
2: the 10 people painting example – Natural A natural hierarchy developing there just means that it wasn't like predisposed that the two people who the group agrees are the best painters here. Like Jim and Bob, they're, they do painting for a living. They should take the lead here. Like that's sort of just a natural development where it's not like Jim and Bob are in charge and telling everyone what to do and everyone agreed that Jim and Bob would be in charge. But mm-hmm. they all come together and they think, oh – They're the best painters. We should probably let them take the lead. That's sort of just a natural development. How it
0: develops is natural. Yeah,
1: I guess. Yeah, that might – yeah. Is that what you meant? Yeah. That's that's, an example, right? Right. There's no – necessarily you're describing no artificial forces coming in and kind of –
2: There's no like owner of the wall that you're painting on saying Jim and Bob are in charge. Listen to what they're
1: doing. Yes. Um, I guess also like another way of – Determining something. So take doing something worth value. So like let's say, for instance, um, jumping to a certain to a certain level, right? Take people equal in terms of height, right? Equal in terms of uh, same weight, type of r- weight reg- regiment, workout, all this other stuff. That's, I guess that's another example of a, of, you know, who can hit it, who can grab it higher, right? It has nothing necessarily to do with, you know, our understanding of, cause that a lot, a lot of that has to do with just the way people approach the way they do things. So for a more, dedication.
2: Conc- a more concrete example of that would be like the NFL combine where, they take a bunch of prospects. They say who can do all this yeah. stuff the best. Yeah, and a natural hierarchy
1: develops. I guess that's the way to do it. All yeah, these that's, different, that's, that's all these different experts say
2: he's first, he's second, yeah, he's third, based pro- on these results. Based on these results.
1: but the thing is, like you're, cre- you're 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 creating a a test in a sense. It's not like it, it happens with outside of.
0: That and the test itself, though, has been curated. and, yes. and, and put through Developed a lens of taste and, and, that these are the yes. things we should be looking for. These mm-hmm. are the things that matter. Exactly. So exactly. I guess what I'm trying my whole argument side of this is an argument or whatever, is no, no, just no, that the whole objectivity subjectivity thing is a lot slippier than we think it is. Slipperier okay. that where the combine suggests it's this objective breakdown of statistics mm-hmm. and skills, you're still subjectively someone has curated what specific skills matter here, and this is the lens that it should be viewed through.
1: Yeah. Okay. And that
0: it's always going to be through the human eye. Okay. The human mind. Yes. And that's why I guess I got worried about natural. But gotcha. why I realized that we were using it in different ways.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like I guess another way of looking at it is I guess the artist's function is to interpret the world and present it, present it as he or she you know, re-envisions it as you can say. Would you guys agree with that? i
2: not really. Not really. Can you say like it one a, more time?
1: So okay. like the artist's, the artist's function in a lot of ways, not always, but one of the big – one of the big okay. function of an artist okay. is to interpret the world and present it as he or she re-envisions it. Yeah, I you, definitely think okay, that's yeah, – cool. like a lot of art comes yeah, from that. Yeah, a lot of art yeah. comes from that type of
2: – so – I was uh, – I, I only had a problem with it when you said the main – like that was the – Oh, OK, yeah. The, the artist – Just yeah. says like a one main – yeah. yeah, sure. Yeah,
1: so like, artists might have like 20 main objectives throughout their you know tenure but one of the one of the main objectives would probably be re, you know interpreting the world and then presenting it as they see uh, so you could make art just for fun cuz you
2: wanted to and not care about that at all though at the same time yeah point. but the thing is like when, possible.
1: yeah it's possible but for instance like what i what i mean by that is like you see a tree one day and like, i'm going to draw a tree with some flowers near it you're kind of you're not remembering you're not remembering a tree you're remembering you know all the trees you've you've probably ever seen and then, Just kind of using that concept to, of a tree, the concept, in your head. yeah, yes, exactly. It becomes, yeah. So, like I said, we're we're conceptual beings. You know, obviously, we're aware of the world, and but the thing is, like, we we take the conceptual level, use the abstractions, you know, language and logic to kind of make our things, you know, fit into a nice box. And I think that nice box is probably what we would call tastes.
0: Yeah. I think the way that relates to language too – I mean if you were talking about like Lacan and stuff, yeah. there's a lot of over that up there with like post-structuralism and like the yes. way that you're seeing the world through these representations. Um, boy, i got set myself up with a long road to go down here. <laughs> um, <laughs> that you see the world – if you're going to have language, like every time you see a tree, you've learned it as being a tree and so you have your perception of a tree that you carry with you at all times. So when you see a tree  you 're seeing it through your idea of what a tree is and can we ever step outside of that or are we always seeing the world through the way it's been encoded I in see. us by our perception do you like at uh, no, no, no or in saying. the tree even in the tree what do you mean
2: I mean the tree as a physical thing in the world what if there's part like what if part of the tree what if it's encoded in the tree that you see the tree as it is does that
1: make sense I, I, I see where you're going with it yeah I, don't
0: know. <sighs> I mean I think it's like I think our back to the table existing, yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah, right. It always goes
1: there. So, I guess, like, our concepts and theories have meaning only insofar as I guess they're grounded in reality, but one cannot see a theory, you know, one cannot see a theory or feel an idea, right? So, nor can one like perceive, I guess, in a single glance, all the facts of reality that kind of like you know, validate their theory or idea. So, I guess the wider, more fundamental kind of our, in terms of our abstraction, the harder it is to experience it as having, you know, the reality of concrete things we can see and feel the perception. So I guess like we I guess because the thing is like like I said, we we are obviously conceptual beings, but we do much more of our thinking through uh at the conceptual level, I feel like. More what
0: would, s- be, what would be the other levels?
1: immediate sense perception you know, i guess that's like you know you know so so i guess like go instead of using instead of con- using concepts um and then integrating them into ideas i guess another way of doing it is just going off whims okay that's an or,
2: example so this one of the things i was um reading about uh preparing for this was the aristotle's like ideas oh, on taste right yeah and so that's a good one out here <laughs> uh,
1: he
2: he gets into like even just like the history of why we even call taste taste ah. deals with the theories of knowledge back then okay. dealing more with the senses, right? That was Aristotle's thing was like ah. if you can see it, if you can write like anything yes. you can experience with your senses and then taste came into it. That didn't really make much sense to me,
1: but... That's how a lot of philosophy stuff goes, brother. <laughs> yeah, he's dead. <laughs> brother. <laughs> yeah, dude. Watching too many Randy Savage uh, interviews. Macho, man. Yeah, dude. Macho king. But, yeah, so go ahead. Sorry about that Randy Savage. Interview. <laughs> <laughs> uh-uh. Randy Savage is love, dude. Randy Savage is life. Oh, my God. But <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. I'm looking for it. Um... Because, like, from my understanding of Aristotle's, you know, I guess his his interpretation or understanding is pretty close to objectivist as you can possibly get, like pretty close. So, would it be like? Uh, I mean, obviously, I know he uses in terms of, you know, he he sees reason as the faculty.
2: Uh, so but taste so t- i found it taste okay. taste for taste aristotle was okay. tied to beauty right ah. so it was kind of like a departure from that in a okay. sense where oh. the beauty's it's like beauty is truth right and okay. it, but it's also subjective no, at man, the same I hate time that. i
0: hate well okay then i'm yeah i don't know never mind i was gonna say i hate it but then no like, about so the like things that are things
2: that people find beautiful yes. you can't ex- like it's he he wasn't trying to explain what about it is beautiful. He just kind of accepted that there was just like a just like an, a trait to something that makes it beautiful. Yeah. But what you find beautiful is subjective to the individual. But that beauty and taste are kind of synonymous. He was
1: kind yeah, of linking but them like, that. See, way. I think that but there's also like so take for instance. um I'm not very well read on this I'm actually buying some more books on it evolutionary psychology right when you bring up evolutionary psychology and tastes and preferences there something that I find very interesting is that um the quote unquote for instance for straight men the quote unquote waist to hip ratio right the whole idea that you know Waists and you know, you know, small hips, yeah. wide, yeah, like that whole. At least from uh, evolutionary psych- psychological perspective, the whole reason that's it's there attractive
0: is because of it's signifi- it it signifies well not it signifies uh, youth. It signifies youth. Oh, I thought like well, it was child bearingness. see, the oh, thing oh, is, just like, just like, like but youth,
1: youth also it's also correlated with
0: being the, able to bear child. Yes, yeah,
1: and then like. Since we're our brains are still running on stuff that's been you know our, our software is still the Paleolithic era. We <laughs> haven't really been updated recently. I mean, we're still running on a lot of old stuff here. Paleolithic software dibs on the album title. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's a guy by voices album, and I'm making it <laughs> please, myself. <laughs> please take it, please take it. But like going in, because yeah, because the way I look, because I, I again, I try to be, uh, I try to think that you know reason is the main faculty here, but something that you know like. You have to take into effect is there is certain things that have had an influence on our tastes that are older than culture itself, older than class systems. What's older than culture? Well, I don't think I don't think there. Were, I mean, the thing is, like, what okay. before humanity? So, like, I guess before humanity. And the thing is, like, when you talk about try, you know, when I say this thing is very. It's a very because I try to look things. Culture is, there's human culture. Now, granted, there is also a culture of bees, right? We can say there's bee I culture. I was going to bring bacteria. that up earlier. Bacteria. Do, can
2: you have, do, can animals have culture, though? But it's Are not, it's not, the thing is, like, it's not, a, like, it's not synonymous. Of deer have culture? I it depends can on how we're using an culture. Animal. It's not
1: synonymous with our, with, our, with our understanding of culture concerning, you know, we can compare, S- the closest comparison so what, to us is. What definition
2: H. of culture would you use to describe how an anthill functions? How could you say that's
1: that's a culture? I wouldn't say that's a culture. I would say that's more so an evolutionary response.
0: What about like a culture of bacteria?
2: That's – I mean that's just a different definition that's, of
1: culture. But why true. is
0: the same word used? What's the etymology that retrace that and figure out why those things are connected? I mean because I think I, they're
1: – <laughs>
0: <laughs> You got me. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, but honestly, you're right. Yeah, it's a good it's a good question. But, you know – See, I think because most people consider culture as, you know, social behavior and norms like found in humanity, in human societies. Yeah. That's what that's like a pretty bare barebone sociological definition. Now, um when you talk about uh Latin cultura
2: oh, growing right. cultivation. So when you grow it so- in a dish, you cultivate it in a dish. Mm. Okay.
0: I see that. Okay, so that mm. makes sense. Cool. So our culture is grown in the human dish, like you know, yeah. Well, <laughs> Earth, 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 that... Earth, is a petri dish. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you
1: know what I'm saying that's. I guess that's a way of looking at it. We're just giant bacteria, but <laughs> <laughs> nice. But um, really smart giant bacteria that makes awesome stuff, uh, like that Huawei uh, laptop right there. Beautiful. Yeah. But <laughs> beautiful. But when I when I also think and kind of trace the the origins of our culture, right? The origins of our tastes, the origins of our preferences. I do think a lot of that has to, you have to also point at stuff that was here before, you know, written history, even before oral history in a lot of ways.
2: I mean, so let's look at when culture starts. Is okay. it, is that, can you say
1: like cave paintings
2: are culture?
1: No, I would say cave paintings is the, the first sign of, hum, of human. Um, I mean, it's art, though. That's it, it's art, but not all art is connected to a culture. And the cave paintings probably had
2: like a ritualistic, spiritualistic meaning. That in many would tie in many culture cases. As well. When you look at, when
1: you look at the cave paintings, so take the cave paintings in France that were like seventy thousand years old or something like that. Uh, the right? tools,
2: even you could say, like the remnants of tools that you find, that would be like yes. a cultural.
1: Well, I, I see. I would say that the tools are more technological. Effect. And like, I would also say that, you know, once humanity was able to, or whatever our ancestors were able to, like, not have to worry about, you know, that's a giant saber toothed tiger, and then they can actually go ahead and then say, hey, I have enough time to, you know, to play, hit uh, hit some some wood, make some sound.
2: I see what you're saying, but the 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 way that those tools could be considered cultural is, let's say this tribe over here makes a tool with a mammoth tusk. But then this tribe over here makes a tool with a, a saber tooth tiger tooth, right? Okay. So the saber tooth ti- that kind of almost not maybe creates is the wrong word, but okay, the, the, maybe this the, the culture, stepping stones. The first culture they would hold the mammoth in higher regard. Yeah. The second, cu- or the second not culture, the first tribe right? tribe the first yes. group yes would hold the mammoth in high regard. The mammoth tusk being a tool. The second group, the saber toothed tiger, same thing. So I could see how the tools would represent culture based on their different locations and what was available to them, and yeah, what I mean the animals they held in high regard. Okay. That's like the beginning of culture.
1: Yeah, I would say the beginning of culture. But the thing is, like at that point, you know, because like you have a culture, right? Once cultures, you know, start to be created and evolve, then you have classes. Classes you also. You had the
2: hunters, you had the
1: gatherers, yeah, you had the shamans. Yes, this, this all, this all came into existence around the same time. I don't think that I think I think they kind of came in together. You know what I mean? So the the introduction of classes and the introduction of culture, I think you know culture probably started right before, if not at the start of when classes started. Like the same classes, time basically. Yeah.
2: So but, that I would, and see, well, uh, like who's to I mean, say that the caveman thought of that as class though.
1: They didn't, but the thing is that the way we would interpret class today looking back at their quote-unquote culture, we would interpret that okay, they had some type of class system. There was some type of hierarchy in the sense that there were the shamans are this. They were in charge of that. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so there so there is some type of, you know, cultural hierarchy that is based, you know, which you would call a class, which is based on certain things that they valued and i think you could probably make that point but the thing is like could you could you say that that in those interactions that have happened all that long t- all that time ago do you, do you think that all that stuff like has influenced us to where we are today or do you think absolutely. that absolutely okay cool cuz like i think that you know, what we are today is just an amalgamation of everything prior to us. Every idea, every thinker is just, you know, taking inspiration from other thinkers and other ideas, creating new. Without,
2: like, without newly tribal hierarchies, humans wouldn't have developed hierarchical thinking or way of doing that. things any further. You have yeah. to start somewhere. And the
1: thing is, like, there's hierarchies that are essentially, you know, um, violent and essentially um, coercive. And there's hierarchies that are not necessarily that way. But Danny, you were about to say something.
0: Oh, I was going to say talking about how you're saying everything's an amalgamation of what came before. it. There's a that great Carl Sagan quote that um, to make an apple pie from scratch, first you have to create the universe. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. They're like everything's broken down more. Yeah, exactly. And
1: I think you can kind of take that, you know, that type of idea, and kind of apply that to our understanding of you know of culture and class. But you know, when it comes to taste, and this is where. I have some trouble personally. Is taste to me is such an abstract concept in a, in a way? It's so abstract um, that it's. I think there's so many variables affecting taste. I don't think I, I don't. I wouldn't be comfortable saying class is the main variable that's affecting taste. I would say class, social class. Is affecting taste, but I would say more so than social class. I would say culture, but I would, and it depends for every 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 person. So for instance, for instance, my culture affects my tastes probably a little more than you know your guys's culture because you know my parents came here in the seventies and sixties. So I would imagine, and the thing is, like the culture that they brought with them, or aspects of their culture that they brought with them. You know, coming in, you know, and then you know, adopting, you know, aspects of this culture. Mm-hmm. That amalgamation is technically me, right? Right. And my, and my, and my sister, and my other family members. And
2: I mean, I can relate to that just from like my great great grandparents came yes. here in like late eighteen, early nineteen hundreds, mm-hmm. and uh, they were super Polish. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I identify as Polish. I love yes. some kielbasa. But yes. 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 I don't. I don't. Like my, when I think of my identity, mm-hmm. Polish is not even close to the top like things that I would choose yeah, to label and myself I, I, as. I, I agree. It's, yeah. just like, it's
1: more coincidental yes, than anything.
2: Yes. I don't like – my sense of being and purpose isn't related to my being identity. Polish.
1: Yeah, I would agree with you. Same thing with me though. I would also say that … My culture, my class stat, my, you know, quote unquote, so the concept, the the conventional social class, you know, middle class, upper class, lower class, that I wouldn't, I would not say that those things influence what I think about myself or how I identify myself. I would say that the overall, I'm extremely individualistic the way I view things. I get pretty hardcore. Um, and I kind of vile almost everything collectivistic. So when I think of, Myself, I do think of myself primarily not as a part of a group, but as a individual. So that's kind of where you know I mean in a sense similar to you. I don't see I mean, granted, I might be I might I might have an ethnicity, I might have a social class, I might have, you know, connections or whatever to this group and that group, but I don't view it doesn't I guess I don't view myself as any of those things primarily. That's just characteristics – I guess those are um, characteristics of myself.
0: I mean I guess we can play this game back and forth all day but I feel like you viewing that is a, still a product of like your culture and like what you yeah. – like, like your philo- whatever philosophy yes. you read that led you to that thought. Yes. Maybe not philosophy but whatever. No, those texts, those are all products right. of a culture and yeah. of a certain For way sure. of thinking. For sure. But, but th- you could also – I mean you can just go back and uh, – you can, not 100 percent. Is gray more like black or is it more like white? Like it's just kind yeah, of like – Yeah, exactly. I see where you're going with that. But the thing is um,
1: our – our under, I guess our understanding of um, culture and class can be kind of put into a, a box. At least I think – I don't think we should be putting it into a box but I, I do think we should be trying to – I guess – try to, to narrow it down as best well, we can. Well, to separate I I think that's important but kind of I think there needs to be a separation of class and culture as as best as possible. That's why like, you know, when I mentioned my class theory, uh, not mine, but like in you know, the libertarian class theory of, you know, that there's exploiters and exploited and that there's, you know, people who are using coercion to gain material wealth and people who aren't using coercion. I think that's at least compared to like upper middle and lower class, I think that allows it that al- that allows a separation between class and culture in a sense and again what do i mean by culture i mean an ethnic connection to you know yeah for using those
0: terms I'm those definitions the, of terms that i does that
1: you know, the thing is like when i think of culture at least in my in my family and my you know, quote unquote community i do think of certain cultural trends you know music dance, food, those are, you know, um, stories, myths, legends, you know, stuff like that. Um, writers, artists, you know, that's that's kind of what I consider a cult, you know, that, that's what kind of encompasses a culture to me. But like I do connect it to a certain part in the world to a certain group of people. But that's what I consider my culture. But the thing is like the culture and my class now as an American have nothing to do with one another. At least in my experience, like my culture right now, or whatever, I, whatever, whatever my family experienced, you know, hundred years ago. Part
2: of being American, I would say, is like that mixing of yeah, the melting cultures. Yeah, it, it saying that you're uh, you can't be American and not like somewhat have, cultural have your aspect. cultural invol- be involved in. Yeah, that.
1: whether so, and, and the thing is like it can be as little as. You know, um, going to some type of cultural party or event like can literally be Day. as little as just like where you're from, where your
2: family's originated yeah, from. Yeah, exactly. It's like that, that could be it.
1: Yeah, and the thing is, like, granted, I, I do think the culture has more effect. I would say culture definitely has more of effect on tastes than I think class does. But again, like we said earlier, class and culture are kind of really close. I wouldn't say that, and you know, every "quote unquote" every class has a subculture. And I I think Mm -hmm. saying I would agree with that. I think Mm -hmm. saying that
2: one has more effect than the other might even not be necessarily true because people can place different emphasis on either of those things, class or culture. Okay. So let's say there's someone of a certain class and someone of a certain culture, but. They like, let's say they're super rich. Yeah. So they they place more emphasis on being super rich mm-hmm. as part of their identity. Yes. Than being Lithuanian. Yeah. Okay. I see so that. In, in yeah. that case, the class that they were born into influences a lot more, more about them. So than yeah. Than I would their, yeah okay. So that makes culture.
1: That makes total sense. Yeah, that makes total sense. I, I agree with that, and I, I feel like. Um, and this is going to be my last word and you guys get the last two words on this. I feel like when we talk about you know, we talked about today, you know, our understanding of class, how it intersects with culture, how it intersects with tastes and preferences, um again, I I try to I try to look at this as um, not biased as possible because again, I do have my biases in this and I I talked about my biases a lot today. But You know, um, you know the traditional upper class, middle class, lower class. I do think that you know for the average everyday person, I do think that's what they, you know, that's the operating system they run by in terms of class. But I think you know some of the stuff we talked about today, uh, primarily in in terms of our interpretation of class and how, like I said, intersects with culture. I think that's probably something. We could get you know get more into, but I think that's something people should need to look at in a different way and kind of go through. So what do you guys think? Last last thoughts about all this? Jazz. Oh, you take the lead on this one. Go ahead, Matt. Last thoughts about culture, class
2: um and tastes. Um I mean I think taste is probably the the core of at the core of what we talked about today. Taste, I think, would be the most important aspect. Yeah. Because You get like class oh, right. and culture. We were talking about the intersection of either class or culture Into and tastes. taste. Yeah. And uh, you can intersect a lot of different things with taste. You can. Class and culture are just one way of looking at how taste got, um, you know, just how your taste evolves. Influenced. Right. Okay. Gotcha. But, um, because uh, I don't like I don't particularly subscribe to one class theory that would, yeah okay I would like directly link it up to link taste up and to explain taste. it got gotcha. you so that I mean I can't definitively say that how I view class influences
1: taste well, well one question well one last question for like, you yeah can taste influence your culture can you like if you if you're a metalhead could could that could that influence your culture later on in life like by spreading you know to your kids and you know. <laughs> Like, could that could that be a thing? I don't know that's I guess that that uh, has any sort of s- some connections of,
2: like there. any sort of scene around music that you could argue that you because a like, culture a subculture right
1: right, right? gotcha would, and, you, and, you, and you think right. subcultures can influence main culture mainstream culture yeah, absolutely like hip hop did,
0: right. Yeah, and rock earlier. Man, this has been such a wonky fun conversation. Like that last <laughs> yeah. question, like we're just stretching words to like the yeah, exact extent of how far how go. far they go. Because like when you started saying like, can your taste shape your culture? I feel like your taste is almost like like a muscle of your culture ah, that you okay. use. I I, there it's weird. Like are they separate things? Like I don't even know. I. We've think, stretched them so far, yeah. like how broad they can be. How broad they can be, exactly. And then I start to worry too, though, when you stretch things that broad, do they begin to not mean anything? Like, mm-hmm. But is that also just how language works that like we see – The more you stretch stuff, the, the more
1: – less meaning it has, I
0: guess? Yeah, and just – I
1: don't, I well, don't know. Well,
2: the – you could can, can look at it as the more you expand on a specific topic – the more potential nuanced meanings you could come across and like develop. Mm. But at the core, the core of what it actually is gets diluted a little bit when there's so much noise around it.
1: Okay. I I think so. The way I look at it, topic is a a luggage, right? You know, some type of
0: luggage. It's an object.
1: Yeah. You unpack it. You open it. It's actually a luggage. You unpack it and you start putting things to the side. And whatever the, it's still a luggage, still it's still this, but all the stuff within it constitute what that is. That's kind of how I look at look at it personally. Mm-hmm. It's kind of uh, messy in a sense because like any topic you have, you kind of have to kind of break it down and go through the nuances in there. But essentially,
2: I don't know. Uh, you got to bring luggage on every trip you go on. But the amount of luggage you bring depends on the trip. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah. You don't well, want to. Wow. Definitely. That's good. That's right there. heavy. We, yeah, that's we heavy. Definitely don't want any baggage with that one. I think it's good to end it up. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, guys, thank you so much for coming on and talking about this esoteric, amazing, wonderful <laughs> stuff. Because it is fun and it's fantastic. And I, I don't get very often a chance to talk about this stuff. So, again, thank you guys for coming on very very excited to have you guys here again. You guys will be on again, I'm sure soon. Please, yeah. And uh to the listeners out there, thank you. Thank you always and have a wonderful day. Take care.